Welcome to the Rocky Valley Podcast. This is Pastor Jason Moe. We're glad you stopped in to have a listen, and we hope that this blesses you in some way.
receive our evening offering, please. Brother Irvin, will you lead our prayer? Somebody asked in the choir rehearsal earlier, you reckon any other church has as much fun as we do in choir practice? Look, if you want to have a good time at 4.30 on a Sunday afternoon, just come down to Rocky Valley. We will entertain you, if nothing else. I, I mean, you never know what the, the topic's going to go from music to whatever. Sky's the limit. But uh, we do have a good time. And didn't these guys do a wonderful job during Holy Week? All their hard work and everything just is wonderful. It was a blessing to many. And thank you. Thank you. As we continue to worship choir, I'll ask you to stand. Sing a Revelation song.
Praise to the King of Kings. 
There's just something about that name. There's no other name given unto men by which we can be saved. There's something about that name. And I want to echo Brother Jason. Not only during Holy Week, but each week. Our choir and our choir director, our music minister, and our pianist do such a tremendous job. And I, for one, thought that the applause that were given were not sufficient for the choir that we have. And so I would like for us to appreciate them. Those of you that don't know, that was a cheap way for me to get a round of applause before I even start. So whatever happens with the rest of the service, I've already gotten the applause. So John chapter 20, John chapter 20, verses 24 through 29 on the question, what can we learn from Thomas? What can we learn from Thomas? This morning, we look to Jesus's appearance to his disciples And asked ourselves a few questions about what we are doing after looking at the resurrected Christ in Scripture last week. What are we doing after looking at the resurrected Christ? And tonight, we're really going to be following along those same lines. And we're going to be looking instead at just one disciple instead of an entire group. And we're going to be looking at how he's reacting after the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And now when I say Thomas, this guy gets a pretty bad rap. Uh, Most of us quickly, when I said Thomas, knew the nickname. What is Thomas's nickname? Doubting Thomas. We immediately mark Doubting Thomas, and he gets a bad rap. And probably, uh, as we're going to see tonight, in some ways, rightly so. But I'm afraid that if we were being honest, uh, we would have to say that more often than not, we find ourselves lining up more with Thomas than with the zealous disciple that we desire to be. More often than not, if we were just laying our cards out on the table, if we were saying, do we fall in this category or do we fall in this category, we would have to honestly say we err on the side of a lack of faith and disobedience way more often than we find ourselves lining up where we want to. But the good news is, as we're going to see as we look at these five verses tonight, uh, no matter where we find ourselves now, There is a place where we can get to where we want to be. And so let us all stand in honor and reverence for the holy and infallible words of our God from John chapter 20, beginning in verse 24. And now Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. And so he said to them, unless I see his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. And he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here, and look at my hands, and reach your hand here, and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving. But believing, and Thomas answered him and said, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. 
Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Let us pray. Father God, God, we ask that you would do what only you can do, and that is dwell in our midst at this moment. God, let your Holy Spirit run through our lives in this place freely, that if there would be any devil, any demon, or any thought that would captivate us besides our focus on you, God, would you bind it and take it out the doors that it came in at this very moment. God, let us worship you the way that you deserve to be worshipped, Lord God. We love you and we will give you the praise and the honor and the glory for all the things that you do. And all of God's people said, Amen, and you may be seated. The first thing that I want us to look at about Thomas is that we first find a missing Thomas. First, we find that he's missing. Now, we're going to back up a little bit. We're going, to, we're going to lay a little timeline. You know that I'm notorious to do that. I can't just dive in without backing up a little bit. Uh, and you know what? That's just my style. I want us to have the Bible in context. I don't want us to read an isolated section. But verse 19, if we back up, it starts to give us a little timeline to what it was going on. It says that it's in the, the same day. And so what, what same day is that? Well, it, it is the evening of, of the day that we were studying just last Sunday, the Resurrection Sunday. And so in that section, beginning in verse 19, Jesus has resurrected. Uh, the ladies have gone to the tomb. They have found that it's empty. He's spoken with them. He's been with the old boys on the Emmaus Road. And, and, and all day he's been out of the tomb. He's witnessed and he's preached and he's done all these things. But he hadn't yet shown himself to his disciples. Now, some of the disciples had seen that the tomb was empty and they had no doubt went back to the other disciples and reported the things that they had seen. But he'd not shown himself to them yet. And then as we studied last week, we saw that he did appear in their midst and reveal himself to his disciples. And if you look at verse 24, you're going to see something about Thomas. It says, he was not with them when Jesus came. Thomas was missing from that appearance of Jesus Christ to his disciples. He simply was not Present Here it is, the evening after the tomb has been found empty, and they gather together, and Thomas, now he's just not there. And, and, and when you look at verse 24, it just really says that he was not with them when Jesus came. It doesn't give us a set series of reasons. It doesn't say that, that Thomas was missing because of ABC, or, or Thomas was gone on a, on a run to get supplies, or, or Thomas was gone to scout and see if the, the soldiers were coming to arrest him. We don't really get an exact description as to why Thomas wasn't there among them, but I think if we look at the life of Thomas real quickly, we might get just a little insight into where he is. If you were to back up into chapter 11, you don't have to right now, but if you want to make a note and back up there and look at it, you'll find in chapter 11 that in this gospel, Jesus is, is getting to go to arrive and take and resurrect the dead Lazarus in the town of Bethany. Lazarus has died, they've heard that he was sick, and Jesus is on his way there, and Thomas knowing the things that are kind of dangerously ahead of them skeptically says let us go that we may die as well. Thomas is walking with the Son of God. 
Thomas is walking with Jesus Christ. Thomas is walking with the one who has already called Jairus' daughter back from the dead. He's walking with the one who has healed the blind. He's caused the lame to walk. He's cast out the demons. And yet Thomas, when, when Jesus says, let's go to Bethany, Thomas says, all right, I'll go with you. If Might as well die together. Because he knows what the Jewish Soldiers are, are wanting to do. They're wanting to overthrow Jesus. The Pharisees are looking to kill him. And so Thomas says, all right, I guess we'll just go and die. He doesn't understand this Christ that he's walking with. And if you were to look to chapter 14, you would see that, that Jesus is speaking to them about going to prepare their place in heaven. He says, I'll come to you again. And Thomas again Finds himself skeptical, finds himself doubting, finds himself not understanding. And he says, Jesus, how can we follow you to this place if we don't know the way? How can we follow you to this place? And so if we were to look at just those two accounts and we look at Thomas as he's mentioned throughout Scripture, you will find that he seemed to believe that Jesus was special. But he seemed to struggle with exactly what Jesus was doing and who Jesus was as the Messiah. Now, I don't want to be too hard on Thomas. I would say if you look at Jesus' interaction with his disciples, you'll find that most of them struggled when he spoke of going to establish his kingdom by dying. Most of them struggled to grab a hold of that. But Thomas, it seems, was especially skeptical of following Christ fully. The problem that I see in so many today is that many of us would find ourselves like Thomas just a week after the resurrection. We're just simply missing. We're just not here. All the disciples are fearful. All the disciples are hiding. But Thomas, he's not only fearful of the persecution, they all have the same persecution potential to endure. But I think Thomas was kind of thinking, what have I been doing for three years? What have I been doing following this Jesus for three years? I, I thought he might be the Messiah, but now he's been killed and, and, and now they say the tomb is empty. I wonder if somebody stole the body. No doubt that Thomas believed truly that Jesus was resurrected or there's no way he would have been missing from that gathering. No way he would have been found absent from the place where Jesus may very well appear. Church, we have a responsibility after looking upon the resurrected Christ to find ourselves here. Now, I'm not saying you have to be here at the Rocky Valley Baptist Church. I'd like for you to. But you have a responsibility to gather with the saints somewhere in a local fellowship and praise the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Why? Because the tomb is empty. If you can't come up with no other reason, you don't like the preacher, you don't like the music, you don't like the way the sanctuary smells, you thought the steeple was funny looking, I don't quite frankly care what your reasons are. Jesus Christ died for your sins. He defeated death. The tomb is empty. You ought to gather with the saints and praise Him because He is worthy. Scripture tells us that when He earned the name of Lord, He is worthy of our worship. And there's something about that name. There's something about that name. It's worth mentioning the name of Jesus. But can I just tell you something else? Because I know there, there's going to be some skeptics. Anytime a preacher gets up and walks back and forth and gets excited telling people that they ought to come to church, there's going to be somebody. There's somebody in here. I don't know who you are. It's okay. I forgive you. 
Somebody in here in the back of their mind said he just wants more people here so he can go brag to the other preachers about how that church has grown. Wrong guy for that one. You know why I want people to come into the house of the Lord? Because I want them to see something special from the resurrected Savior. I want them to come to the house of the Lord not expecting to see a great message or hear a great song, but expecting to worship a great Savior. Expecting to see something spectacular from Jesus Christ. Look at at what Thomas missed. Look what he missed because he was missing. He was missing from the gathering of the disciples and Jesus Christ appeared in the midst and he gave them a commission and he gave them peace in their fear and he gave them comfort in their concern. And Thomas missed a revelation of Jesus Christ simply because he was absent from the fellowship of the believers. Why do we want to invite people to the house of God? Certainly not because your preacher is so good looking, although he is. I don't need nothing out of you. You don't look no better. (laughs) Why do we want to invite people to the house of the Lord? Not because our choir is so good, but boy, they are. Not because we do this or the children's church is so great or all these reasons. No, quite simply, you ought to invite somebody to the house of the Lord because you ought to have concern that if they ain't here, they're going to miss something. And my friend, can I tell you something else? If you don't have that kind of confidence that that's what's going to happen in the church house, that there's going to be a revelation of Jesus Christ when people come in, you ought to go find yourself a new church. Because something's missing from that church. But I believe, quite honestly, that if you'll walk into this house of the Lord expecting to see Jesus, you'll see Him. You'll see the resurrected Christ. And you'll see something special. And if you see something special when you get here, then it ought to concern you and burden you for anybody that ain't here. And that's just the way it is. And I'm sorry. Not really. But first thing we see about Thomas is that we see a missing Thomas. But next, let us look at the doubting Thomas. Look with me again at verses 24 and 25. It says, he wasn't with them when Jesus came. It says, the other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. And he said to them, unless I see his hands, the print of the nails, and put my fingers into the print of the nails, and put my hand into the side, I, I will not believe. Now Thomas comes back to the church house, essentially, is what's happened here. He was missing from the fellowship, and now he has come back. And like any good old Baptist congregation, they have told him everything he has missed. You ever seen that happen? Somebody misses a week of church or two, and they come back in the house, and you go put your arm around them, and you go, Woo-wee! You ought to have heard Terry sing My Redeemer Lives last week. Son, you missed it. Did you get on Facebook Live and watch it? Boy, that didn't do it justice, right? I I saw it on Facebook Live. It wasn't nothing compared to what it was when you was here. Son, you missed it. That tickles me. I want somebody to be jealous that they didn't get here. Thomas, you won't believe what happened. Thomas, here we was. We was all standing in this room, right? And we was all scared. That they was going to come arrest us. Now, Thomas, here's what I want you to know happened. We were standing here, and then Jesus was here. He was here, Thomas. Now, Matthew, he wasn't sure what had happened when Jesus wasn't in the tomb. But when Jesus was in the room, he quit thinking it was a conspiracy to take the body. And he said, I believe this Christ is resurrected. Mary and Peter weren't telling us no story, Thomas, when they came back. They said that tomb was empty. They was telling us the truth, Thomas. And he told us 
we didn't have to be afraid of those soldiers. He told us to be peaceful. He told us that twice, Thomas, to be peaceful. And I was so calm when he said that. He had such an effect on me, Thomas, that when I saw Jesus, I couldn't be scared no more. And then he told us we were to go... And where we shared his gospel, people could be forgiven of sins if they believed on him. He told us what we were going to be doing, Thomas, and you weren't here. Where were you? Thomas, though, was an even better Baptist than the other disciples. He said, now, now, wait. Just a minute, guys. Can't you just see Thomas strolling to the head of the business meeting? <clears throat> Mr. Moderator. I wasn't here. I realized that. I missed it. But I'm going to have to say that unless I can place my hands in the nail-scarred hands and put my fingers in his sides, I'm just not sure that I can buy all of this that these guys are putting down about what happened on the one service I didn't come to. I have been here for three years and I have never seen anything like that happen. There's no way it happened when I was missing. I'm not buying all this Holy Ghost Jesus alive mess until I see him for myself. Can't you just hear him? You guys are so emotional anyway. Y'all are borderline Pentecostal sometimes. Y'all shout amen and raise your hands. There's no telling what you may think you saw. You get so wrapped up in the music that sometimes you raise both hands in the air. You're about crazy. I can see that you probably closed your eyes and thought you saw Jesus, but there's no way you saw Jesus because remember what John said. Now, I didn't see it because I didn't stick around, but John said what happened on that cross was awful. And anybody died on that cross in that way. Couldn't be here three days later. Y'all have lost your minds. And I don't believe Thomas is that much different than some of us today. How many people heard the gospel just last week and went away saying, yeah, but let me see it in today's time. It's a nice story, Pastor. I might even believe it, brother. But I don't believe it happens like that anymore. I mean, you say the tomb was empty and that Jesus just was alive. But why doesn't he fix what's going on in my life? Why didn't he make me feel better? Why, why am I not happier? Why is my situation not immediately better? I mean, I came to church last week. Shouldn't all my problems be gone? I watched that one preacher on TV and he said all I had to do was come to church and everything was going to get better. And I came to church. And I still had the same problems Monday that I had Friday. Church, our responsibility is to make sure the realness of Jesus as our Savior is so evident in our lives that anybody that comes into contact with us would encounter a true Savior. Amen. Not some junky prosperity gospel, but a true Savior that says, you know what? The world hated me, and they'll hate you too. But boy, oh boy, your home in glory outshines all the things that you deal with today. My friends, we ought to live a life that permeates the truth. That when somebody says, you 
don't act the way you acted when I knew you before, you can say, it's because I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. You know, there's nothing I enjoy more than running into people from high school. Some of you might find this hard to believe because I'm such an outstanding human being. But when I was in high school, I had some issues with anger and, and bad habits and doing things that just quite frankly were ungodly. And I love it when I run into somebody from high school who says, I, I saw so-and-so and they said you was a preacher. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. Maybe a prisoner, but not a preacher. <laughs> you know what I get to say? Jesus paid it all. And all to him I owe. He cleaned up this old boy. And there ain't nothing that you can do to make me stop shouting from the mountaintop what he did for me. His grace was sufficient for me. And it's sufficient for you too. And they say, well, I didn't come here to get a message, preacher. And I said, you came here, you're getting one. Say, well, I believe in Jesus. Good, so did Thomas. But he still had doubt of the power of Christ in his life. The greatest way to share our faith is to wear our faith everywhere we go. That way when we run into a little doubting Thomas somewhere, well, I'm sure there's a more logical explanation for that and say, there might be, but I don't care. I got a faithful explanation. I got a God that when the doctor said there wasn't no cure, suddenly I'm still alive. That when the doctor said there wasn't no way I was going to get up, I got up. Suddenly that when everything was falling against me and the, and the cards were stacked in the wrong place, suddenly I've got a God that just managed to See me through. I might not have everything I want, but I got more than I need because, bless God, His grace is sufficient. I may not have a bed of roses in every moment, but I do know one thing, that my God is working all things together for my good because I love Him. And my friends, that is how you endure when you have a doubting Thomas. But I'm not done yet. I'm getting close. We had a missing Thomas. We had a doubting Thomas. But praise God, we've got a shouting Thomas too. Verse 26 and 27, look what happens to old Thomas. It says, after eight days, his disciples were again inside. Can you imagine eight days dealing with Thomas? Whew. I've dealt with him before. Eight days of him saying, that's a bunch of junk y'all are peddling. There ain't no way that was Jesus. There's got to be a better explanation. Y'all saw the moon or the stars or somebody else. And suddenly after eight days, and my ADHD gets the better of me. And I can't help but think that Thomas was in the middle of one of his rants of doubt. And suddenly Jesus was there again. And I think Jesus just kind of watched for a minute. I don't know if he did. That's just what I think happened. And he says, Thomas, come here. And can you imagine Thomas in that moment? Well, notice what Jesus says to him. He says the same thing he said to the other disciples, didn't he? He said... Thomas, peace to you. See, the other disciples, they were wrapped up in the concern of persecution. And he said, peace to you. Truthfully, Thomas was wrapped up in a disbelief 
and a lack of faith. And Jesus still said what? Peace to you, Thomas. Come here, Thomas. I heard, I heard what you said even though I wasn't here. I want you to put your hands right here. Thomas, I'll, here, just thrust your hand into my side. That language doesn't just say touch my side. It literally means thrust your hand into my resurrected side. Jesus is essentially saying, if you need to touch me, touch me. Whatever you need right now, Thomas, I'm here for you to give you what you need. And look what happens to Thomas. He says, my Lord, my God. Two specific words that he uses. The first is translated, my master. He recognizes the lordship of Jesus. Jesus is sovereign over everything. Jesus is the commander. He's the king. He is everything. And then he says, my God. My God. Not only did he recognize that Jesus was his master, he realized that he was his God, that he was his creator. He was his sustainer. He was his everything. And that's what's encompassed in Thomas' statement right there. It's not that he put his hand in the side. Notice he didn't say, you are Jesus. He said, my Lord, my God. You really are everything you said you were. You really are everything I believed you were for three years. You really are Jesus Christ, Lord of all. You're the Son of God, the Son of Man. You're the Alpha. You're the Omega. You're the beginning. You're the end. You're everything that I thought you were and hoped you were wrapped up into one. You're my Savior. Thomas went from missing from the fellowship to shouting the praises just like that. In the presence of a resurrected Christ. And so my friends. This evening I ask you this question. Quite simply. Which Thomas are you? Which Thomas are you? Are you doubting a little bit? Dealing with something in your life. You're not sure that Jesus Christ is able to handle. You're not sure he's the one you can place your cares upon. Maybe you're not even sure that he really is all that we've been preaching that he is. Are you missing? You're here tonight, obviously. Maybe this is the first time you've made your way into the house of the Lord in some time. Maybe this is a new adventure for you. You just started last week. This is your second trip. But before that, it had been maybe two, three years since you'd been to the house of the Lord. So have you been missing? But even more importantly, are you shouting? Because if you find yourself anywhere short of crying, my Lord and my God, at the simple thought of the resurrected Christ, then you need to find your way to the place of restoration at the foot of the cross. Sit at the feet of Jesus and beg him to restore the joy of your salvation. And you know what's amazing about Jesus, the resurrected Christ? You know what he'll say to you? Peace to you. Peace to you. Let's pray. Father God, God, we stand before you so thankful that your word 
still speaks to us. That thousands of years after the events that we talked about tonight, your word is still alive. That it still affects us. It still applies to us. And so God, my prayer is that in this house tonight, there are people in in all kinds of stages of their relationship with Christ. Perhaps some in a state of unbelief, some in a state of doubt, some who have been missing. God, some that are shouting your praises. God, we recognize that it is by your grace and your mercy that any of us are shouting. So God, would you convict us, pierce us to our heart, that we would come and lay whatever burden down that stops us from shouting your praises and leave it at the foot of the cross because you've already fought our battle. And God, if there's one here in a state of unbelief, somebody who doesn't know you, God, would you speak to that person just now? Give them the courage to come and say, I want to follow Jesus. He's the one that died for me. God, we'll give you the glory and the honor. For it is in your precious name that we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day.